Hello, this is episode 216 and it's the third of four episodes where I'm discussing in more detail the four phases of building or renovating your family home. Now in this episode, I'm talking about the pre-build phase. So this is the phase between design and build and for many, I find it's a frustrating time of impatiently waiting for construction to start. Yet it is the point at which so many things need to be confirmed, finalised and agreed upon. And so it's important to navigate it thoroughly and carefully. I'm going to be sharing more about that and some common mistakes that you can be aware of so that you can avoid them. You're also going to hear from a Home Method member about their project experience as well and how they found it to work with me during their Renault's or New Build project. And I'm going to be reminding you about what's currently going on with the Home Method if it's been on your radar to jump into for your project. Now, remember, you can grab a full transcript of this episode plus information about the other helpful links and resources on this topic as a free PDF download. And you can grab that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 216. That's the numbers 216. So be sure to do that and then you can file it away and you can review this episode as needed. Now let's dive in. Welcome to the Get It Right podcast. I'm your host, Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. With over 25 years industry experience, I've worked with loads of homeowners like you to create family homes that work, feel great and that you feel great in. I'm a wife and a mum to three kids who, thanks to our own renovations, they all learned to climb ladders before they walked. And I'm a registered architect who is passionate about you feeling informed, educated and empowered as you design, build or renovate your home. Now, if you're up for some frank and open conversation about the true nitty gritty of designing, building and renovating based on professional and personal experience across hundreds and hundreds of homes, well, you're in the right place. Undercover Architect is an award-winning online business and resource that began in mid-2014, and it's all about teaching you how to create a fantastic, feel-good family home, one that works for you now and into the future, one that is sustainable and affordable, and that helps you live a great lifestyle, both in and beyond your home. So whether you're renovating or building, whoever you're working with, and whatever your dreams, your location, or your budget, consider Undercover Architect your secret ally in helping and teaching you how to get it right. Now, before we jump into this podcast episode, a quick shout out to my sponsors. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by me and my free online workshop, Your Project Plan. I actually created this online workshop because I so regularly see a lot of time and money get wasted in renovation and building projects. And this happens largely because homeowners just don't know what they're supposed to be doing next. So that makes it really easy to make missteps, to take the wrong advice, or to actually skip important parts of your project that will catch you out down the track. Or worse, mean that you miss out on things that you really wanted in your home. Learn how to avoid serious and expensive mistakes, what to do next, whatever stage you're at in your project, and also access some great bonuses too by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan and that's project plan spelled p-r-o-j-e-c-t p-l-a-n that's undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan take the guesswork out of the next steps you need to take in your project journey and sign up today for free for this great online workshop and now let's get on with the episode here we go In the last couple of episodes, I've been sharing some common mistakes that I see get made in the pre-design and in the design phases of a renovation or a new build project. 
And this episode will be about the pre-build phase and the mistakes to avoid during this phase. Now, I have three key mistakes that many make. I'm going to share what they are, the damage they can do, and how you can and should avoid them in your project. And in our next episode, I'll be discussing the build phase. And that will be the final of our four phases that any project goes through. I really do hope that you've been finding it helpful to hear about these mistakes so that you can avoid them in any of these phases. I'm really aiming to provide you with actionable and useful advice that you can use to steer clear of drama and stress in your project. So let's dive into the third phase, which is pre-build. So this phase is an interesting one because many homeowners really do race through this phase. For many, starting construction feels like the project is actually really finally happening. And so there's an urgency to actually get things happening on site and get construction started as soon as possible. But the thing about pre-build is there's there's actually loads in this phase associated with your money, uh, with legal issues and with getting properly prepared for a smooth construction or build phase. And so racing through the pre-build phase can result in some quite dangerous consequences, including cost blowouts and legal issues that are expensive or difficult to get out of. The pre-build phase is actually the last chance that you have to put the brakes on and to ensure that everything is in order, understood and clearly communicated between you and your team prior to you starting construction on site. It's the phase where you really get to finalise the nitty gritty of your project or the detail and ensure that the design is properly drawn and scoped. Now, if you haven't listened to my podcast episode about how to check your construction drawings, I highly recommend that to you at this point. You can listen to it or you can download the PDF transcript by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 213-213 and you can get that useful information there. It's going to be helpful for this phase in particular. Now, finalising and ensuring the accuracy of documentation for your build is a big part of the pre-build phase for your project. And the pre-build phase is also where you're selecting and you're finalising some of your more detailed decisions and selections, really so that you can firm up the construction cost. And these things, I know these things, they can really feel like big decisions at this point for a lot of homeowners. However, what I see is that far too many will resist making these decisions at this point And they'll enter into legal contracts with lots of room for a builder to move, to be able to charge you more and and to to make you be finalising your selections on the run during construction. And that can make for a super stressful and a costly project as well, where you get hit with variation after variation. Pre-build phase is really your chance to set up a smooth construction process where you're not in decision mode all the time, but instead your project and your project team are actually in delivery mode instead. They're taking action on all of the work and preparation and decisions that you've made prior to signing a building contract. That's the ideal scenario. Now, the pre-build phase is also where you need to ensure that you've secured all of the relevant approvals that are required to construct your renovation or new build so that you don't hit issues during construction and end up getting fined or being told to stop or being delayed whilst you have to wait to catch up on things that you were supposed to have done earlier. And as you can see, it's a really important phase in your project and it's one to travel through in an informed way with your eyes wide open to what you're committing yourself to and what it will mean for your project. So let's have a look at the mistakes that many make in their pre-build phase. Now, inside the home method, there are six steps in the pre-build phase, and I share the various mistakes for each of those steps and tips for how do you, you're going to be able to get it right as well. So I'm going to cherry pick three mistakes here to help you in this episode. If you'd like to learn more about the pre-build phase and the steps involved, then stay tuned to the end of the episode. I've got some really exciting news that I've been sharing in our recent episodes about my flagship program, The Home Method. 
The first mistake, okay, so the first mistake that I see homeowners make is not understanding what their building approval means or requires. Now, wherever you're located, you'll most likely require some type of formal approval to commence construction on your project. And this may have a different name based on where you can live. So it might be called a construction certificate or a building approval or a building permit or a range of other names can apply. It's essentially the approval process that's legally required in order to begin construction on your site. And what I see is many homeowners don't actually understand the details of it. They don't understand what requires permission and what doesn't, and they can get themselves into huge trouble as a result. Now, in most council areas, there can actually be work that's exempt from getting a building approval and going through the building approval process. However, please never assume what your council's rules are and always learn the specifics for your project and for the scope of works that you're planning. I've seen people start demolishing their existing home thinking that it didn't need a formal building approval. And in some council areas, it actually doesn't. You can demolish a home without without getting building approval. But then inevitably, some people discover that for them, it actually does need approval. And you can imagine what a disaster that is. You know, it's not great to have an inspector turn up to site and tell you that you need to stop works because you don't have the appropriate approval for whatever you're doing on site at the time. And then you find out that you've got a delay and a panic whilst you do what you need to in order to get the appropriate approvals processed for your project. And this can sometimes delay things for weeks or even months. And you'll be under a contract with a builder at this time. And so delays to that contract will actually come with financial penalties. So it's really essential that you learn more about what your building approval process requires and the documentation that you and your team will have to provide for it, the costs that are involved and the time that it's going to take. And then factor this all into your overall project workflow so that you can know how it's going to impact your site start date and the project overall. You'll most likely find also that there's a range of checks and paperwork that has to be executed during your build and signed off and prepared in order um, to be formally lodged as part of resolving the whole building approval process. And these are going to be important for actually confirming that your home has been built as per the required approvals and getting sign off that the home is completed and it's safe for occupancy and that you're allowed to move back in. Now, Don't simply rely on your builder or your design team to take care of all of this. Don't assume, okay? Never assume. By all means, if you have a team that you trust, then let them do their jobs, but make sure you have a conversation about this, okay? Ask them about what the process is, what's involved, you know, who is actually doing what. You want to make sure that that you're not just assuming that they're all across it, but that you can actually have the conversation to make sure there's any there's no gaps that you're not aware of. You know, make sure that you ask, is there anything that you'll be expected to do? I, you know, and is there anything you're going to have to pay for that's over and above the construction costs so that you can understand what your commitments are going to be in making all of this happen? Also understand too that there's going to be required inspections and checks as part of your build as as you know as you need to fulfill your building approval but these are not going to be quality checks per se. Uh, they're potentially not even going to be a check that the things that are being built on site are being built according to your documentation and your intentions. So for example, when a structural engineer is doing checks at specific times in your project, you know, they might be confirming the footings or the foundations or even the house frame. They're literally just looking at whether it has been built according to their structural requirements and that it meets structural requirements generally. When a building certifier is out on site and they're checking the site and the build at various times, they're going to be confirming that it's meeting the approval requirements and the Australian standards and the building codes. This isn't a quality check, okay? 
And it's not necessarily a check, as I said, that it's going to be done exactly as per your documentation. A quality check is actually a subjective interpretation of building and renovating. And quality can mean different things to different people. But the Australian standards and the building codes, they're more of a quantitative standard. And so that's what the things are being measured against. But these things, Australian standards and building codes, they're actually just the bare minimum requirements to build and renovate too. And I see many homeowners surprised. I know, you know, in the industry, I'm a bit shocked by what Australian standards and building codes set as a bare minimum. And homeowners often get very poorly disappointed by what Australian standards and building codes get set as a bare minimum. So, you know, if you actually want quality inspections done, of your home during construction and you want to ensure that it's being built as per your drawings, then you may need to be the person doing this yourself or you'll need to access additional help from a professional that's hired specifically to do this. Now, the second mistake that I see homeowners make is not finalising their decisions sufficiently during pre-build, especially when it comes to things like electrical and joinery. Now, if you've listened to me for any time, (laughs) you'll know I talk about this a lot. You know that I bang on and on about this, this and orientation, okay? So, and inside the home method, it's something that I talk about a lot, okay? The importance of bringing forward your decision-making. And it's something I get so excited to see members actually take to heart and as a result, have a much simpler and a much more enjoyable experience of their project. It's really fantastic to see them say, oh, you know, they're in construction. It's like, oh, thank you so much that you told me to make all of these decisions ahead of time because construction's actually going really well. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to mention here. And the first is the logistics of your decision-making process. Now, so as I said, this is about bringing forward your decisions and selections so that you can just make them sufficiently early to get them documented into your construction package of drawings and any specifications or selection schedules that you have for your project. And definitely to have them made before your builder creates a final price for your project and has you sign your building contract. Because this is going to prevent you uh, having a big chunk of your project scope actually sitting in the provisional sums or the P- the prime cost or the PC items part of your contract. Those areas of your contract are then subject to variations if the price for what you actually want comes back differently to what the builder allowed at the time that they prepared your contract or if the price changes over the duration of your contract as well compared to what it was when they first signed the contract. Now, this can be particularly true for electrical work in terms of lighting and power, because I often see the amount that's attributed to that in provisional sums or PC items being quite dramatically undercooked uh, in those allowances when a homeowner hasn't made decisions about their electrical and lighting layout prior to signing the contract. Kitchen joinery is another area where this occurs. You know, many homeowners will have dreams of a kitchen full of drawers, soft closing drawers, you know, really lovely joinery design that's super functional and gorgeous to look at, lots of fit out and storage items. And then they'll discover that the price that's actually allowed in their contract um, that they've already signed and the construction's underway, it assumes a white melamine kitchen that's all cupboards and pretty simple in design. I really want you to use the pre-build phase to nail down the design and the selection decisions so that they're finalised and they're documented prior to signing the contract because this will enable you to better manage your risk during the build and it'll help you have all of the cost and the scope negotiations happening outside the building contract before you've signed and so that you can know that when you actually do sign the contract that the, what the contract physically includes and what it's going to afford you. 
The second thing that I want to mention here about bringing forward decision-making and about decision-making in general is that I feel that there's a big mindset issue at work here as well for homeowners and it can show up in a different way, in different ways. So I see some homeowners just actually find it really hard to carve out the mental and emotional energy needed to make commitments to their decisions until they're at an urgent deadline that's forcing them to do so. You know, they may have been looking at the various options that are available for months and months and months, but it's simply they just they just keep putting off their actual final choice until they're absolutely backed into a corner and forced to do it and they've got a deadline in front of them. I recently saw a post on a Facebook uh, group where a woman was saying she only had two days to decide on her home's interior paint colour and I thought, no, you didn't. You know, you've mostly likely had months to make that decision but you've left it until you only have two days and as a result, you're now in a super stress, a super stressful situation. Uh, you're crowdsourcing help from a random Facebook community of people that you don't know and this is like, this is crazy but we do it to ourselves time and time again in all areas of our lives. I know I've been guilty of this myself. You know, life isn't crazy enough. We put ourselves in these avoidable situations as well and under, under all sorts of pressure to make decisions really quickly. Now, I also see people make a decision, but because their project journey can take quite a long time, they can then start second guessing those initial decisions and question what they decided on originally. And they start creating stress and drama for themselves as they juggle whether they're going to change their choice and change their mind about things. Please, 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 please. Don't put yourself in this position. It doesn't need to be this way ever, okay? In everything that you do in your home renovation or new build project, and in fact, in life, I have one really solid piece of advice for you. This was advice that I actually heard a few years ago in a talk that I attended. It was something I really needed to hear at the time. The speaker who was delivering this talk, she said, do things today that your future self will thank you for. Now, as I said, this is, this is something I needed to hear at the time. It's a mantra that I use in my life regularly, thinking about the decisions that I can make to protect my future self. I believe I've shared it here on the podcast before. I know I've shared it on, across email and on socials. I think it's such a powerful thing to think about in your everyday life. And it can really relate to something as simple as, you know, when I decide to get an early night when I'm super tired so that my future self can get up early and go for a walk and generally be in a far better mood and able to cope with the days a lot better. And it can stand, extend right through to making big decisions where you know that your future self is going to be super grateful that you took the time and the effort when things were not as high pressure or as stressful and then in making that decision at that time, you freed yourself up from pressure and stress down the track. Now, so when it comes to renovating and building, I actually like to think about this mantra slightly differently and translate it to what can you actually do now in your project to protect your future self? If you can navigate your project plan thinking about this as you basically move through your project journey, what can you do now to protect your future self, to protect yourself from the pain and then the anxiety of budget blowouts, stressful situations on site or nasty surprises and arguments uh, that might happen across the course of your project and during the build? What I see, and I know this of myself too, you know, what we, what we often find is that it's hard to set ourselves up to avoid future pain, especially when we've not had first hand experience of what that pain might actually be like. But please hear me when I say this, okay? The last thing 
the very last thing that I want for you is for you to email me in the middle of your project when you're dealing with cost overruns, a builder that you don't trust and the risk of having a half finished project. You're losing sleep and you have very few pathways out of that situation and you're telling me then that you should have listened to me earlier in your project. I receive far too many emails like this already. I don't want to receive any more emails like that, okay? So please, as you plan your project, use the mindset of what you're going to do now to protect your future self. Now, the third mistake that I see homeowners make in the pre-build phase is shopping the quotes that they receive for ways that they can save cash. So it can be likely during this phase that you might be starting to speak to builders about your future future project and also starting to source quotes for the whole project or parts of it. And if you're doing the pack process or the paid as consultant process, then your builder is going to be providing you with more detailed cost input on the various aspects of your project, particularly as you hone in on your selections as well. So I want to share this with you because I know many homeowners can get frustrated as they try to compare apples with apples when they're seeking prices for their projects and they dive into the nitty gritty detail to nut out the quotes they're receiving. And this can be fairly problematic and not necessarily give you the results that you're seeking, which, you know, the results you're seeking, they're usually about being on budget and having cost transparency and getting a home that you can afford to build. I often find too, and this can be especially relevant with members of the undercover architect community um, generally, is that you can be a ninja with data analysis, total ninja with data analysis, really breaking down all the information and all the research. And as a data ninja myself, I see you, my fellow data ninjas. However, where I see this ninja data analysis, you know, can come unstuck, it's in the interrogation of building quotes and in discussions about what your project's going to cost and what's making it cost what it costs. Now, let me say up front, building and renovating, it can be big money. You know, Australia is one of the more expensive places to build or renovate in the world. New Zealand isn't far behind. Like me, you've probably balked at the $100,000 or $200,000 complete home renovation and extension budgets that some of those American reno and building television programs can share. And just to see what they can physically get for that amount of money, it's crazy. Now, I do though want to share some information about how to approach the costing of your project so that you just don't tie yourself in knots with calculations and data analysis and all of the spreadsheets that you're going to create and get lost in the weeds of unhelpful information. Or alternatively, just lose loads of times in exercises that will spin your wheels because I see homeowners sometimes get his, you know, they get stuck here for months at this point and they've got their own spreadsheets running with permutation after option after permutation after option being created as they chop and change their project and all the quotes that they're receiving and they're pulling and pushing and interchanging things. And it's all in an attempt to get to meet some magical bottom line that they're aiming to have as their total project cost but because it takes so long and then they don't understand the nuances of the building quote because they're not builders themselves and it's naturally that you just wouldn't understand it it can be really misleading as an exercise and worse is when it takes months and months the prices have moved again and swallowed up any cost savings that you were chasing and then they have to start the exercise all over again Now, something that many homeowners do struggle with in this whole process of looking at the pricing of their projects is when builders won't supply them with line item costing in their quotes and proposals. And so I just want to talk about that specifically for a minute. Being data-driven, I see that many homeowners expect and sometimes demand that their builder provide them with a quote that actually lists all of the various trades, materials and items in their plan with a cost against every single one. 
And the reasoning for this is so that they can identify personally where the money is going in their project and then they can potentially achieve savings by targeting changes or substitutions or reductions in those specific areas. However, I believe that this line item costing approach, it doesn't really serve you or your builder or your project. And I'm going to try to explain this by using some analogies here. Now, your future home is not a cart of groceries that you can identify that what the premium items are in it and you can then decide to switch your cheese this week for a cheaper brand or decide that you'll wait until that big container of cold-pressed olive oil might go on special next week to get it or go to Aldi for some items instead or just completely delete an item altogether. Your house isn't going to work like that. Instead, it's much more like a fashioned piece of clothing where the design, the cut, the assembly, where it was manufactured, who manufactured it, the thread, the colour, the dye used in the fabric, they are all components that lead to what that item of fab, what that fashion piece of clothing actually costs. And any substitution or elimination or reduction can actually fundamentally impact the style, the durability, the look the functionality and the experience of owning that item of clothing. So it's worth understanding that even if you can find a cheaper electrician or a cheaper light fitting that you can switch in and out of the prices that builders given you, your builder may not be interested in making changes or reductions. This is because your builder has to work with that person uh, or that item. They have to coordinate all the work. They have to know that that the tradespeople will be on site on time, that they'll be able to do their work within certain conditions and timeframes and be able to deliver to a specific quality. And then the builder has to warrant the work that they do and the items that they've used in the project once it's all complete. And so your quote from any builder, it may not include the cheapest option available, but it's going to include the one that the builder knows that they actually can stand behind and have confidence in delivering. Now, I know that it can be helpful to know what is chewing your budget in your project, but chances are it's not going to be the finishes and fixtures alone, which when you're in the pre-build phase, it's pretty much where a lot of homeowners cost attention is focused. The design is pretty much finalized. And so all you can really do without derailing everything at this point is to switch out selections on the fixtures and the finishes that you're specifying. But remember that I spoke in the last episode about the design phase and how many homeowners design their homes too big as a start. Budgets are far more likely to be chewed up by things like the size of the home, the structural design, the site conditions, and then the big ticket items in your selections. So think about the large square meterage coverage items like roofing and glazing and wall cladding and flooring and things like that. It's really like the difference about, you know, walking into a supermarket and choosing a carry basket instead of the biggest trolley. It's going to help a lot more when you get to the cash register at the other end. So instead of asking for a line item costing, ensure that your builder is delivering a detailed line item scope when providing their cost proposals. You want to know exactly what has been priced and what has been included, described in a detailed specific way, and then what has been excluded from your quote or your proposal. Plus, you also want to know what has been assumed or allowed for because either you haven't selected or specified it yet or the builder hasn't sought an accurate price for it yet. I find that when you're trying to compare apples with apples between builder quotes, the difference in pricing, it'll usually come down to the emissions, the assumptions and the allowances. And so if you don't have a detailed scope in your quotes, it's going to be really hard for you to get to the bottom of these differences. And that's why I mentioned the mistake uh, that I mentioned as number two in terms of when to make your selections for your project and about bringing that forward in your project journey 
that can be so damaging when it's not done because you can then be at this point trying to compare apples to apples and not actually having the information that you need to do so. Now, defining the scope of your project requires you to remove as many assumptions as possible. And that's going to require you to make decisions and to get your project drawn and specified sufficiently so that you can ensure that the scope is actually reflected in the documentation that your builder is then using to price your project and then build your project from. I think that the internet is fantastic and I also feel that it's a slippery slope when it comes to our projects because at any point we can hop online and we can find out a price for all manner of things in our builds from the whole world of information and resources. But we have no understanding of the quality, the durability or the compliance of the things that we're looking at and it's why some builders can be super resistant to trying new products out unless they have the opportunity to test things prior to actually installing it or using it. I remember at Mervac, we would build in all sorts of safety nets anytime we wanted to use something new so that we could demonstrate that it would meet the requirements for a construction who were naturally risk averse. And we also had a massive list in the business of you cannot use these products, all these things, because they'd previously caused dramas on previous projects. So when you're doing a renovation or a new build with a builder, you're not the one that's warranting that home. The builder is, you know, if it's inside their contract, it's the builder that's going to carry the risk for it. So hence you shopping your quote to identify savings, it may end up just being a fruitless activity. And it's my, why it's my third mistake in the pre-build phase. Now, let me just remind you of the three commonly made mistakes in the pre-build phase. The first is number one, not understanding what your building approval means or requires. Number two is not finalising your, your decisions sufficiently during pre-build, especially when it comes to electrical and joinery. And number three is shopping the quotes you receive for ways to save cash. Now, as a reminder, you can grab a full transcript of this episode. I've crammed a lot into this. I've got the resources that I've mentioned as well. So you can get all of that by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 216. That's the numbers 216. So be sure to do this if you'd like to read over the notes for this episode and save them for later. Now, I also want to remind you that right now at the time of recording this episode in late September 2021, I am currently neck deep eyes deep over my head <laughs> in the process of rebuilding my flagship program, The Home Method. Holy cow, it's a big job, but it's also proving to be amazing because I'm getting to incorporate new snippets and important tips and information that I know is going to be incredibly helpful for members. And so that's really fun. Now, Home Method is really intended as the full package of what you need to know when designing, building and renovating your home that's presented in the most streamlined and efficient way. I sometimes get questions from listeners, particularly of the podcast, uh, who ask if they really need the home method as well, or if they're looking at, jo at joining, they wonder if they should just wait until they've listened to all of the podcasts first before they dive in, and if there's any repetition between the podcast and the home method. Now, my answers to these questions is the home method is the only place where I talk about my step-by-step -step process that takes you in detail from start to finish of your reno or new build. It's the only place that consolidates what you need to know into a single program that you can work through easily and get properly prepared. The podcast is really designed to actually be complementary to the home method, not a replacement at all. And the podcast is and always will be my commitment to providing free and accessible education for anyone who is building or renovating. 
However, once you jump into the home method, one of the best things is that I can then get to know you. I can get to know your project and your challenges. And then part of that is then me being able to tell you which podcasts are actually going to be relevant and helpful for you uh, specifically so that you know and you can listen to things in a targeted way. I know that many people will listen and re-listen to the podcast, sometimes four times or more I've heard. And that's a lot of listening when there's over 200 episodes. Home Method is really your chance to simplify all of that, to streamline your learning and to save time in getting to where you want to go. And of course, having my support and help along the way as well. Now, if you join Home Method now, you'll get access to the rebuilt version when it's published. And that's going to be really soon. And I can't wait. I just can't wait to share it with you. And once the home method is rebuilt, the price is going to be going up. So if you're if you've been sitting on the fence, I just thought that I'd share that information with you in case you want to jump in before that price increase. Now, the second bit of news is that to celebrate this improved version and rebuilt version of the home method, I'm running a free and live online workshop in mid-October 2021. And it's called the four universal factors that will make or break your project. So whether you're renovating or you're building new and whoever you're working with and wherever you're located, this live online workshop, it's going to highlight the four areas that you need to know about for your whole project journey and help you keep them front of mind as you take each step. Because when you're across these, you can significantly improve your experience and you can create a fantastic home in the process. Now, you can get your name down for the free and live online workshop. I'm actually running it at two times so that you've got some choice. And you can get that by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash four. So that's F-O-U-R. So be sure to do that. It's going to be perfect for you if you're simply researching your project. Perhaps you're starting work with a team or you're thinking about the design of your future home. So that's www dot undercoverarchitect.com forward slash four f-o-u-r now before we go i want to share i really love sharing these member stories with you i do hope that you're enjoying hearing from these members that i've been introducing you to in the latest podcast episodes and that you're also finding their stories a helpful insight into renovating and building and what it's like to work with me uh, in undercover architect In this episode, I would love to introduce you to Linda. So Linda's situation was quite unusual in that she wasn't necessarily planning an especially large renovation or new build like many of our members are. We get all sorts of members on all sorts of budgets inside the home method. Um, Linda had actually purchased a home that had unexpectedly had a range of issues that needed resolving, uh, repairs and things like that. And so her journey was actually pretty challenging from the get-go. Let's meet Linda. My name's Linda. I live in Kayama, New South Wales in Australia, which is a uh, small coastal town about two hours south of Sydney. Uh, I uh, undertook some home renovations last year. Okay, so I live in um, a relatively new house. So it was only five years old, but it had a significant um, issue with leaking uh, from the upstairs uh, down into the main bit of the house and because I live so close to the coast it's quite windy the weather is quite wild and when it rains it rains quite heavily so this was a really big problem so the renovation was about um, covering in the balcony to extend it to be part of the house and because of the problems that I'd had with the leaking I wanted to make sure it was um, 
absolutely watertight and gale proof and all those sorts of things because the weather is pretty wild right here. But at the worst of it, I'd say, look, I got 100 mils outside and 40 litres inside. <laughs> you know, just to help explain the, the context. <laughs> oh, gosh, poor Linda. What a doozy to deal with. So what concerns did Linda have before she was starting her project, especially given the challenges that she was experiencing? This was her response. So I had, um, you can appreciate because of my experience, I had thought I'd bought a new house and therefore it would be solid and, um, you know, I wouldn't have to worry about the major repairs or even a renovation, to be fair. And that whole experience made me incredibly nervous because the builder that originally built the house denied any responsibility for the leak and I had to go through uh, fair trading and I just felt I got snookered every time <laughs> and I just didn't have confidence in many of the tradespeople or in myself to ensure that that same thing didn't happen again, that I'd get snowballed or, you know, somebody would do... Like, I just felt it's stuff I don't know enough about to feel confident and given um, the significant asset that a home is you want to make sure you you know what you're entering into because it um, if it comes unstuck, you're unstuck in a very big way, not, not just in terms of having insecure housing, but then, you know, your finances, everything is tied up. So um, I just needed that. I needed to feel more confident and knowledgeable about what I was entering into because um, I'd had... A series of unfortunate experiences <laughs> leading up to that so I, I wanted to start fresh um, getting over that psychological barrier of being able to trust again because of what had happened it's it started with um, well one I had to find a builder that I felt comfortable with and uh, went through quite a process I must have interviewed about 20 or so different builders and and that was partly to do with once they heard that I'd had problems with the house originally, they were anxious about also being held liable. Um, so people weren't interested in that. But also because um, the area I live, there's a lot like it's there's a lot of building going on. So builders are in high demand. So it was really hard to find a, a, a good builder that. Um, was able to do the job because most of them had waiting lists for years. Then came the contract negotiations and um, I had some legal advice and there are a couple of clauses where the, my solicitor was saying, you really need to negotiate on this or that. And the builder was actually coming back saying, no, that's unreasonable, etc. But they were really basic clauses like liquidated damages. Um, so there were a few things like that and I thought, oh, here we go. Anyway, so I was in quite a tease about it um, because <laughs> the builder and the architect were both sort of saying, you're being unreasonable, you know, this is pretty common practice and all that sort of stuff. And I, in my gut, I just, it didn't feel right. And the solicitor was saying, please don't sign unless those particular clauses are in there. And I just thought, oh, I don't know who to trust because um, my trust has been breached before. It's really hard when you feel the people in the industry that you're speaking to are giving you conflicting advice and none of it is sitting well with you. 
Now, I've said before that I love hearing how people have come across Undercover Architect because you all find me in such different ways. So how did Linda first find Undercover Architect? Anyway, I just was Googling and I thought, how, how do you learn or how do you find out what's a reasonable thing without paying hundreds of dollars an hour from another solicitor to, to find out? Anyway, I just Googled and found this um, undercover architect and I thought, oh, this sounds perfect. And um, I uh, listened to one of the free uh, webinars, so I participated in one of those and I just um, liked Amelia's no-nonsense style and she actually spoke to things that actually were real for me, like she clearly knew what she was talking about. Well, she understood the whole process and, and understood how you as a client can feel. So I think sometimes uh, when you hear uh, other professionals talk about the building process, they're talking about it from their perspective. Um, but the way Amelia spoke, I thought, oh, she really understands and I don't feel so silly in being anxious about this contract issue, for example. It's always great to hear the specific parts of my program that have really helped members. And because Linda was really focused on how she was going to navigate her contract and her build phase, she was really focused on manage your build, which actually sits inside Home Method and takes you through the stages of construction. Now, inside this uh, part of Home Method, Dwayne Pierce, who is a Brisbane-based builder and also my business partner inside my other business, Live Life Build, he and I actually talk about all the various things to know during the construction of your new home or renovation. And it's really about demystifying what goes on on site so that you know enough to not be bamboozled by your builder and get caught out. So have a listen as Linda shares why she enjoyed this part of the course so much. So anyway, it was really good to hear both Amelia and um, Dwayne, is it the builder fellow that features, and um, she also had a solicitor. And they just went through all the very things that I had not been sure about or was struggling with and spoke about them in a plain English way that I understood. And I thought, okay, this is normal. It's normal for there to be a little bit of tension about these things. You're quite within your rights to ask for more clarity. Um, and she had just really practical tips on, um, you know, even like templates for how to, um, keep notes of the meetings that you have with the builder and with the architect and, and what have you to make sure there's no room for misunderstanding. Because I'd been made to feel, um, you know, as being a bit neurotic or, you know, overly anxious, but the way she spoke, it made me realise uh, what I was talking about was um, quite reasonable. So that was the benefit of the course and I did, it gave me the confidence to hold my ground and originally uh, when I gave the feedback back to the uh, builder and the, the builder a little, to a lesser degree, the architect, I just said actually I, I'm going to walk away, like if you're not going to agree to liquidated damages and to a reasonable interest rate and all these sorts of things. Let's hope we never have to utilise those clauses, but it's important to me that they're there. And um, so I walked away and I said, look, I'm happy to find someone else. Uh, you know, I don't have to do this. There's, there's no urgency in it. I said, I can sit here with my buckets for as long as you want. 
I don't want to go ahead with uh, something that I'm not confident of. Uh, so we both went our ways for a couple of weeks and then um, the builder actually got back to me and he said, look, I've been thinking that I've been a bit um, pig-headed in a way uh, on principle and what you're saying is quite reasonable and let's do business. And, and in the end we did and it was a terrific build. I've got no hesitation recommending him. He did a, a wonderful job. I can't tell you how much uh, doing that course just took my stress levels right down. And I just thought, okay, I can do this. I felt confident to negotiate. So it was great. I am so glad that Linda was able to feel more confident and less stressed about her project. My goal in any of my programs and especially in Home Method is to save you stress and to actually help you enjoy the process of building or renovating your home because it can be such a special and exciting experience when you know how to navigate it confidently. So what did Linda do differently because of what she'd learned? Here she talks about some of the decisions and the selections, things along the lines of what I've been sharing the importance of in this pre-build episode of the podcast. And I think then the other thing was once the build was underway, well, actually just before the build commenced, I'd done that that course and then I realised there were things like the specifications around the windows and the insulation and stuff like that that I hadn't paid so much attention to. I hadn't realised the significance of those things. But having done the course, I thought, oh, gee, I better triple check this. And um, anyway, I did end up upgrading the windows and the insulation. And again, the initial thing was, well, why do you need that? And I said, well, you know, we get 120 kilometre an hour winds up here on a regular basis. And when it does rain, it's it's hundreds of millilitres at a time. It's not, and it's that vertical, like it's it's wind and rain. And I said, um, so if I'm going to spend all this money, I just want to make sure I've got the right insulation and the right, um, the type of thing. And my house is also in a bushfire zone. So there's certain um, glass that you need to have in that situation. So, again, um, I, you know, listened very closely to the course around those sorts of things. And, in fact, I participated in a live Facebook session with Amelia and asked questions in that around the windows and the, um, the outdoor coverage, the colour bond. Because, uh, again, because I'm so close to the sea, there's only there's certain sort of uh, colour bond that you have to use that doesn't um, wear as quickly as the normal. So um, it was just those sorts of things that I would never have um, probably thought about. I, I wouldn't have even known that you had to think about them. And no one drew them to my attention until I did the course. And I thought, oh, yes, that's, I need to focus on that. And, it, and I've got a good result. I'm, as I said, really thrilled. So did Linda think it was worthwhile doing the Undercover Architect course? It was worth every penny and, and every hour I spent on those webinars. <laughs> I mean, well, saving my sanity was uh, a major benefit. Um, yeah, I, I think I just, once I got over that hump, it was just made it the whole thing doable. And, you know, I had a constructive relationship with the builder and with the architect. Um, as a consequence and I just felt confident. So it just saved the fact that my anxiety levels dropped so much 
meant you could just get on with it and um, make it happen. And, and it did. It, it, it went like a dream and um, it's still going strong. And, you know, we had pretty wild winds last night and the house is still here. So, um, <laughs> so it's all good. How good is that? What I love here is that Linda did so amazingly well. She really took control of her situation, looked for support and guidance, and then invested the money and time in getting herself better informed. So many homeowners unfortunately ignore those red flags or the niggling or even shouting voice inside them that says, hang on, this doesn't seem right. And they barrel ahead even though they're uncomfortable or unsure. Because you are led to believe that the industry is the expert and that you are just a mere mortal who doesn't know any better and that those in the industry who aren't passionate or about educating or supporting you, they just want to keep you in the dark. It doesn't have to be this way. You can be in the driver's seat of your project, but it requires you to realise that it can be different and then take the steps to get yourself in the best position possible. And I love that Linda did this and her experience demonstrates the results of her learning and her effort. So what would Linda say to others thinking of joining the Undercover Architect program? I just think you've got a responsibility to yourself. Um, If you're going to invest so much, you know, like your house is usually your biggest asset in, in financial terms, you owe it to yourself to be confident and knowledgeable about what it is exactly you're entering into because it's it's going more often than not it, it has a lifelong impact you know even even if you choose to um, sell you know some other poor sucker may inherit a problem <laughs> and having been the recipient of some poor quality building you don't want to wish that on anybody else so you know I suppose it's just Uh, do yourself a favour, feel confident and then you can actually enjoy the process. It doesn't have to be as stressful as what it might be otherwise and and there is no barrier to you understanding what's going on. You don't have to be blinded by building talk or architect talk or tradie talk. Um, You know, it is possible to talk about it in plain English and have a sensible conversation and get the outcome that you want. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I just think the money is minor, um, compared to how much you could easily waste just choosing the wrong thing. Like I have been recommending the course to friends, anybody that, um, is, uh, about to embark on this whole thing. Cause I've, I've come to learn that, um, my experience is not unusual and that lots of people worry about it, but they seem to just focus on reading, you know, Home beautiful magazines or whatever, and get their their wisdom from there. And it's it's the detail that you really need to understand. It's not the look so much. It's the the fine print and the the legalities and just the technical specifications. It's really hard to get that information from a neutral party. Um, having it broken down in the way that um, Amelia does in a plain English way that it. That an everyday person can understand is just oh I can't tell you how (laughs) how um you know how that helped me just take a deep breath and, and have the confidence to progress I am so so grateful that Linda was able to find the help she needed when she needed it 
and have it change her experience so significantly. They say that knowledge is power, but I feel that the true power is when you put that knowledge into action and it actually empowers you to change the journey that you're having and the outcome that you're creating. And that's what I always aim to do with the home method. And so I love hearing member stories like Linda's. I want to say a huge thank you to Linda for sharing her insights and her member story. I do hope that it's helped you see how home method might help you and whether it's a good fit for your project planning and your journey. Now, if you have any questions at all about the home method, please feel free to DM me on Instagram or shoot me an email at hello at undercoverarchitect.com. I am very happy to be frank with you. You should know me well enough by now to know that I will always be frank with you, tell you whether or not it's a good fit and sometimes it's not. And, uh, and I can also share whether I think it will help you and how it can help you. That's it for our episode 216 about pre-build and the pre-build phase and the mistakes to avoid. Now, be sure to tune into the next episode. I'm going to be wrapping up and talking about the mistakes to avoid in our final phase, which is the build phase. All of the links for this episode, plus a full downloadable PDF transcript, they can be found at www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 216. That's the numbers 216. So make sure you type that in, you go grab it and print out that PDF transcript, have it filed away and you can review and refer to it as you need to. And also jump onto the list for my free online workshop, the four universal factors that will make or break your project. We're going to be doing that in middle of October, 2021. So make sure you jump in. You can head to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash four F-O-U-R for more information. Please share this podcast episode with family, friends, colleagues, even strangers, basically anyone that you know it may help so that we can get this information and knowledge into the ears and hands of as many homeowners as possible and improve their experience of designing, building and renovating their family homes. I love hearing the stories of those who found this podcast thanks to the generosity of another listener. It is just awesome. Now, if you haven't left a review on the Undercover Architect podcast, especially if you listen on iTunes, I would be so grateful if you please could. It really makes a difference in enabling this podcast to reach others that it can help. And it also ensures that I can continue to grow the podcast and get amazing guests and information on here as well. Be sure to tune in for our next episode, which lands each Tuesday morning to access helpful information and education in your project journey so that you can get it right as you design, build or renovate your family home. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.